0: It was the biggest back-to-the-homeland undertaking since the return of the Hebrews to the promised land in the book of Exodus. The only difference was, unlike the Israelites, the people in this scenario had help from the government they were fleeing. Throughout the 19th century, especially the 40-year period between 1822 and 1862, over 15,000 African Americans, both freed slaves and the free-born, in conjunction with some 3,200 Afro-Caribbeans, relocated to a designated plot of land in West Africa that would one day come to be known as Liberia. From the Latin meaning free land or land of the free. But how was this land set aside? Who came up with the idea of a return to Africa movement in the first place? And how did these American and Caribbean blacks fare in this new setting? I'm Chester Sakamoto, your host, and welcome to the History Loves Company podcast, because history is shaped by all of us. The story of Liberia is intrinsically linked with that of the American Colonization Society, or ACS for short, an organization whose brainchild the idea was in the first place. Founded in part by an American educator and Presbyterian minister named Robert Finley in 1816, along with the support of such prominent figures as future Secretary of State Henry Clay, the lawyer Daniel Webster, and even former President Thomas Jefferson, it was modeled after earlier British organizations, the latter of which meant to relocate the black, poor, and destitute of London back to Africa. As freed slaves and freeborn blacks in America were often faced with discrimination in both northern and southern states prior to the Civil War, the ACS felt that such individuals would fare better in Africa, where they could be free and prosper. The idea was supported by people on both sides of the political spectrum of the day, and for different reasons. For the abolitionists, those who were against slavery, it would mean that those who had been freed or born free would no longer have to endure racism, ill-treatment, and hostilities from their white neighbors. For slave owners, it meant ridding the country of possible agitators, that is, those who'd stoke the flames of division by encouraging slaves to revolt and rebel. Thus, at the time, it was seen as a win-win situation for both parties, with work hastily undertaken to begin searching for an ideal spot in Africa in which To place these disparate black factions. In 1818, two years after the organization's founding, it dispatched two representatives to West Africa in an attempt at searching for a viable location for this potential colony. Once there, they had run-ins with various tribes and peoples who were indigenous to the region, none of whom were willing to sell or relinquish any of their land. This attempt was followed, two years later, by another expedition, this one led by three ACS members and a group of 88 free black settlers, with the intent of landing in the, at the time, British colony of Sierra Leone. Prior to departing from the United States, they drafted and signed a constitution, allowing an agent of the society to govern the settlement under American authority. But this venture too failed, with the crew of the ship finding shelter on Skerbo Island off the west coast of Africa, after many of its crew members succumbed to malaria. A year later, in 1821, the United States Navy took up the task, ultimately persuading a local ruler to sell a strip of his land to the ACS. The survivors of the Maroon Skerbo Island crew moved to this new location along with a batch of fresh settlers from the United States and set about setting up shop. The transition, however, was far from easy. The first few years of the colony's existence were mired in turmoil, largely due to the local indigenous inhabitants who led near constant raids against it. Finally, in 1824, the colonists decided that they'd had enough and built fortifications to protect it from outsiders. That same year, the colony, which hadn't yet been given an official name, was christened Liberia, with its capital, Monrovia, named after then U.S. President James Monroe, who'd secured much of the federal funding necessary to establish it. But soon, the isolated strip of land the U.S. Navy had purchased proved to be insufficient to house the ever-growing number of African-American and Afro-Caribbean settlers. With the need for more space came the rise of other such state-sponsored organizations like the ACS, who set about buying up more land. The abolition of the transatlantic slave trade on January 1, 1808, saw a major influx of new colonists as the U.S. Navy patrolled the waters off the west coast of Africa for slave ships and would deposit the precious human cargo onto Liberian soil. By 1838, what had started as a loose confederation of settlements under the name of the Colony of Liberia had coalesced into a single entity. A uniquely Americo-Liberian identity had emerged by that time, in which the colonists held on to their American and Caribbean roots and customs to separate and differentiate themselves from both their European colonist and African tribal neighbors. Their economy was largely commerce-based, with trade between themselves and the United States, Britain, and France being their primary sources of revenue while the u s government initially provided them with funding and financial support it was expected that the colony would one day be self-sufficient the only problem was as it was not yet a sovereign state it had difficulty protecting its economic interests which the various european colonial powers surrounding them namely britain and france would continually encroach upon without fear of retribution as the United States could only provide so much diplomatic and financial support, the colonists realized that independence was the only way in which they could truly be self-sufficient and protect their assets and interests. Thus, on July twenty sixth, 1847, Liberia declared itself independent from the American Colonization Society, and in turn the United States itself, and elected one Joseph Jenkins Roberts to be its first president. Interestingly enough, as tensions between North and South in the United States reached a fever pitch through the ensuing decade, America wasn't the first country to recognize Liberia's self-sufficiency. That honor would go to none other than Great Britain, who would even go as far as to draft and sign a treaty of commerce and friendship with the Liberians a year later in 1848. As civil war within the United States appeared increasingly imminent, Washington did its best to skirt around the role it had played in establishing first the colony, then the country of Liberia, so as to avoid any impacts on the issue of slavery, naturally a topic of great sensitivity at the time. So it was, within the first year of the Civil War in 1862, that America finally recognized Liberia's sovereignty and established diplomatic ties with the fledgling nation, ties that would last all the way up to the 1990s. Today, only about 5% of Liberia's population is descended from those first settlers, the intrepid explorers who sacrificed everything for a better life and a fresh start in Africa. This number might seem surprisingly low, though that's because the country's history has proven to be quite tumultuous within the last 30 years or so. The uniquely Americo-Liberian identity that once distinguished the nation's people from those of their neighbors has long since been lost, having been incorporated and absorbed into other tribal factions and African regimes that have since assumed power over the country. A multitude of indigenous ethnic groups now call Liberia home, but its founding principles still differentiated from other countries in the continent. To date, it's the second youngest republic in Africa, second only to the Republic of South Sudan, which was established in 2011, and its unique history continues to fascinate other Africans as well as Americans. Thanks for tuning in to this brief segment on an off-overlooked African nation. Liberia's connection with the United States can neither be denied nor underestimated, despite the fact that it sadly lost its unique identity. Still, it's a nation with quite a history, and reveals just how fraught with tension the issue of slavery and the plight of African Americans as a whole were in the 19th century. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more from this podcast, please consider supporting it on a monthly basis. To do so, please go to podcasters.spotify.com forward slash pod forward slash show, forward slash history loves company, all one word, and click the support button, which will redirect you to three monthly support plans that fit your budget. Of course, listening and sharing also help, so please do so on all streaming platforms. Join me again next week for a look at a remarkable Englishwoman whose work gave birth to the science of paleontology as we know it today, right here on the History Loves Company podcast, because history is shaped by all of us. This is Chester Sakamoto signing off. See you next time.